When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wow. I mean, that's that's really the first word that comes to mind when I think of the the two big moves thus far in, in today's market. I'm recording this on Thursday, uh, March 12th, uh, midday. And, and until very recently, it was a very bleak day for the stock market. And to be honest, it still is. At one point, the stock market was down over 2,100 points. Of course, I'm referring to the Dow Jones. Uh, trading had been halted earlier in the day after, like, what, a 7% drop in all three major U.S. indices. Uh, European stocks been hammered. Asian stocks. Uh, a bloodbath all around. U.S. bonds had been rallying. Gold and silver were even hit pretty significantly uh, in this sort of sell-everything, bid-for-liquidity type situation. And then... The Fed, as as Zero Hedge puts it, fired their bazooka. Uh, not unlike how others have described what Saudi Arabia and, and Russia and, and now United Arab Emirates did earlier this week in, in firing their, and, and over the weekend, firing their bazooka of flooding the oil markets. Uh, the Fed is flooding the financial system with liquidity to the tune of up to $4 trillion by month end. So what are the details on this? Okay, so so there's two big uh, bullet points to what the Fed is doing here. First of all, they're not QE program, right? We, we all know this. We're all familiar with this. This was their not QE program that they started back in the second half of 2019. They said, this is not quantitative easing. And, and their reasoning behind it was, we're just buying T-bills, you know, treasury bills, very short, dated debt from the U.S. government. We're going to do it until, you know, initially it was through, you know, maybe the first quarter of 2020, maybe a little bit past that. But but we swear it's not quantitative easing. Well, it is. It's QE4. And we said that along the whole whole time. This is this is not just mincing. That's not mince words. This is a lie. This is a deliberate deception. And the Fed is kind of showing their true colors today in that they're announcing that as part of this, um, bailout for the market, bailout for the financial system, uh, they're switching that to QE, officially, basically. They're, they're not calling it that, but, but basically what they're saying is uh, we're no longer just going to buy T-bills. We're going to buy bonds across the, the broader range of, of uh, uh, the, the curve, right? Further outdated debt and bonds, basically. It's Kiwi, quantitative easing. They're printing money to the tune of $60 billion a month, and they have been for a while as part of this not Kiwi and now officially Kiwi program. Um, the difference is now they're buying some le- longer data debt. Now, why is that the case? Well, we'll get to that in a second. Let's finish up here. The other big bullet point here, this is the $4 trillion aspect of it. Uh, this is a quote here, um, an announcement uh, that the... <clears throat> As part of their repo market operations, which again, as a reminder, have been going on for uh, several months now, all the way back to, gosh, August, September. Back then, of course, they said 
these repo market operations these are normal they're not a big deal nothing to be alarmed about and of course the stock market bought it the consumer bought it stock market you know new all-time highs as recently as february uh well those were to the tune of usually you know 10 billion here 20 you know 50 billion here and, and even even you know up until very recently the total amount that they were offering in terms of of their repo market between their overnight you know their term repos two weeks etc was you know in the ballpark of 300 billion dollars which is a lot that's a lot okay 300 billion dollars and and of course the way repo markets work as a quick reminder repo markets these are short-term funding markets usually for financial institutions uh the way it works is, is a financial institution puts up a less liquid asset less liquid than cash usually something like bonds right they put it up there as collateral kind of the way it works is that that the other party to this trade they buy those with re, with the agreement that they're going to sell those assets right back potentially the next day or two weeks later or maybe a month or three months later as, as we'll find out here at a slightly higher price right and and the price is sort of determined by the rate right so if the rate is is one percent or two percent well you you divvy that up and figure out what a two percent rate would look like on an overnight basis rather than a yearly basis right so long story short there wasn't enough people willing to be the other party to that trade to to lend out that cash in exchange for less liquid asset why well because the financial system is relatively illiquid especially without the fed participating and so what the fed did is said we'll be the other party in that we'll buy these assets sell them back you know for that overnight or two weeks whatever um, we'll be the other part of that. And again, to the tune of up to $300 billion total support, liquidity for the system. Well, this is, that, that's peanuts to what we're dealing with here, right? This is a quote from their announcement. Today, March 12, 2020, the desk, referring to uh, you know the Fed trading desk, their open market operations, the open market trading desk of the Federal Reserve, I'll stop interrupting myself. Uh, to, today, March 12th, 2020, the desk will offer $500 billion in a three-month repo operation at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time that will settle on March 13th, 2020. Continuing, tomorrow the desk will further offer $500 billion in a three-month repo operation and a $500 billion in a one-month repo operation for same-day settlement. Three-month and one-month repo operations for $500 billion will be offered on a weekly basis for the remainder of the monthly schedule. The desk will continue to offer at least $175 billion in daily overnight repo operations and at least $45 billion in two-week term operations twice per week over this period. So in addition to what they're doing already, what they're doing here is... um, essentially four trillion up to four trillion the way this works is you know when they say we're willing to offer this much liquidity they don't always actually offer that much there's not always quite the demand demands not always met but they're saying that by the end of the month we're we're going to be willing to offer up to four trillion dollars four trillion with a t dollars of liquidity through these repo markets that, by the way, we said several, several months ago were fine and they weren't distressed and there wasn't a liquidity problem um, to, to keep the financial system afloat. I mean, this is these are historic times we live in. This is akin to when QE was first announced. This is akin to, you know, the, the term Lehman Brothers and the GFC, Great Financial Crisis, uh, the Great Recession. 
those terms are being thrown around left and right because this is basically akin to what happened back then in terms of intervention, except this is massive, up to $4 trillion, $500 billion in a single day. I mean, I'll remind you that the total that the Fed uh, increased their balance sheet between QE1, 2, and 3 was, you know, in that same ballpark, four trillion, I don't know the exact number, it might have been shy of, of, of four trillion or slightly over four trillion, but the same ballpark. And that was from, you know, the, the financial crisis, Great Recession, all the way through, gosh, was it 2013, 2014, that they finally stopped QE3, right? This is massive amounts of, let's call it what it is, money printing. And I know, I know, people will say, just like they did several months ago with the previous repo crisis, liquidity crisis, this is temporary, right? This is going to go away as soon as these problems resolve. And and here we are, you know, in March, they haven't resolved. And by the way, this is bigger than the COVID-19. I'll get to that more in a second here. But this is bigger than just that. Um, Problems haven't resolved. Once you inject liquidity into the system, the Fed, and we all should know very well by now that it's extremely difficult not impossible, but extremely difficult to then remove that liquidity from the system. It's not impossible, though. The catch is, is that if you want to remove that liquidity, you have to be willing to tolerate a full-on financial crisis, potentially. And so, again, pay attention to what these governments... You know, back in, in China, early on in the days of this COVID-19 outbreak... They were saying everything is fine, it's not a big deal, we have it under control. But what they were doing was quarantining hundreds of millions of people or restricting their travel in some way, shape, or form. They were building giant hospitals, right? What little on-the-ground footage and, and details we had indicated a serious event. And, and right now, the Fed sort of has their own Wuhan, if you will. They're saying President Trump, uh, Larry Kudlow... You name it, these advisors, these they're saying everything is fine, this is going to pass, and not a big deal, but their actions are screaming financial crisis. The big question is, will this work? Will this work on the financial side of things? This paired with the, um, you know, whatever relief uh, may come from, from the U.S. government, billions. I mean, the other thing to keep in mind here. Is part of this repo market, if you could look back at like something like a Luke Roman, something he'd been saying back when this repo business started, even before then, well before then, um, that there was you know a lack of demand for U.S. debt. People just weren't willing to buy it, and that's why we had that's why we ran into these liquidity problems. That's why we had this repo market uh, problem and whatnot. That somebody else had to sort of buy up those bonds, and even if it's on an overnight basis, the Fed was still providing that liquidity basically constantly. And, and that sort of makes sense that not only is there a liquidity crisis, not only are financial institutions probably trying to hold on the best they can to you know what assets they have and, and what liquidity they have, hence the major crisis right now, but you also have a government that is likely to, I mean, let's put this in perspective. You know, the U.S. debt, as we speak right now, I'll bring it up right here. I'll bring up U.S. debt clock. Uh, last time I checked was north of what 23 trillion. I'll get an exact number here, or maybe north of 22. I mean, it's hard to, to keep track of it perpetually. But the idea behind this 
is that, you know, the, the deficit right now was grown at basically a rate of, I don't know, one in between one and one and a half trillion a year. And if we ran into a recession, it, it'd probably jump above that. Yeah, as I speak, just shy of 23 and a half, right? So a year from now, had this not happened, if we just had a bit of a slowdown or something, you know, we could be looking at a $25 trillion deficit. But with bailout packages on the table, payroll suspension, payroll tax suspension, and whatever other crazy fiscal stimulus and spending, and of course, Medicare and healthcare costs that the government has to soak up and all that, um, you have to understand that, you know, March 2021, we could be facing a deficit of, wow, $26.5 trillion, $27 trillion. Who buys that trillions of dollars of debt. Well, ultimately, somebody's got to, and it's the Fed, right? That's why they're doing their official QE program now and this huge amount of, of uh, repo market operations to the tune of up to $4 trillion. This is massive. This is massive. And for those of you that are listening for the COVID-19 coverage, I mean, we'll get to that here in a second, but I want you all to realize that this is a historic moment, Right? The Dow was down almost 10%. And by the way, you know, as I'm recording, look, we know the Fed is is quite active. We know um, the government's going to be quite active. And all this is very subject to change. These are volatile markets. The Dow is still down 1,400 points. Right? And that's on top of yesterday's loss. That's on top of um, not, you know, what was it? Monday's loss, 2,000 points or whatever it was. Right? Uh, this is huge on the financial side of things, right? We're looking at the Dow Jones at a little over 22,000. The last time it was at 22,000 was, you know, in the wee days of the Trump presidency, uh, 2017, actually. So maybe in the dip and in, in at some point in 2018, it, it got close, but I'm not, not clear on those numbers. I'm not going to bring up a whole chart for myself right now, but this is huge day, huge day in history on the financial side of things. But um, let's switch to uh, the COVID-19 because it's been a huge day on, on that side of things as well. Uh, gosh, where do I start? Let's start off with famous people. Tom Hanks and his wife, Rita Wilson. And I shouldn't be laughing about it at all, but uh, diagnosed with coronavirus. I'm sure they'll be fine. They're older, but hopefully they'll be fine. Sound like they had relatively minor symptoms, but famous people uh, that has COVID-19. Um, a teammate of Cristiano Ronaldo. For us Americans, that's not a big deal, but but for soccer fans. And yeah, I get some Americans, some U.S. citizens are soccer fans. Um, one of his teammates tested positive. Um, uh, what's his name? Gobert. I'll have to find his first name. Um, Rudy Gobert. Gobert, probably. He's French, apparently. In the NBA, tested positive. Uh, plays for the Jazz. His teammate actually tested positive as well. Um, and more on that here in a second. Uh, we have a, uh, oh gosh, what was his title? I'll have to find here. Um, the, like the director of communications for Jair Bolsonaro, the, the guy in charge in, in Brazil, uh, his, you know, communications director, Fabio something, um, he tested positive. A guy that, by the way, just a matter of days ago, uh, was meeting with Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago. And, and Pence, actually, right? There's a pretty decent likelihood that both of them have now been exposed, right? Um, Justin Trudeau and his wife are, uh, are 
going to be quarantined, self-quarantining because of some, some symptoms. Um, let's see here. What else do we have? You know, and, and, and this is just a start, you know, plenty of Congress members, um, potentially are going to be, uh, um, potentially are going to, to be infected. Some, some staffers and whatnot already have been. And by the way, as an aside, going back in the financial side of things, I had to pause there and quick, just reading that actually it's uh, maybe $5 trillion, depending on how many dates they do here. $5 trillion, though, actually not $4 trillion, that the Fed's going to be providing through repo market operations. It almost just becomes mindless at that point, though, honestly. Uh, but, but again, back to the, the COVID-19 side. The famous people, okay? Um, how about uh, events that are being canceled? Uh, March Madness. Yesterday, you know, NCAA basketball tournament said they're gonna be playing their playoffs in in front of no fans um although a lot of a lot of conference championships have been outright canceled so i don't know how they're they might outright cancel as well i mean financially speaking there's there's tv deals there there's there's advertising and that's going to be an additional impact not just people not going to the games now because of that cancellation uh major league baseball is going to be delaying this sort of their season. 2020 Champions League Soccer post uh, tournament postponed until next year. U.S. Major League Soccer suspends play. NHL suspends the season. NBA suspends their season. A whole litany of uh, the U.S. Capitol um, basically shut down um, today uh, in order to uh, you know prevent the spread of this to, to more. Um, more individuals within the U.S. government and whatnot. Um, I mean, this is this is. I mean, this is crazy. And this is for people that say that this is still just like the flu. I mean, it's it's not though. I mean, this is not how governments react to the flu, right? Um, in terms of cases, of confirmed cases, it's not all that alarming. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Italy is now over a thousand deaths, fifteen thousand cases. Uh, Iran's over 10,000 cases, probably much, 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 much more cases and, and 429 deaths officially, but again, much, much more. Um, France and Spain are both over 2000. Germany's coming up on 2000 United States at 1300. Um, still probably low by magnitude of 10, um, because we just test so little. In fact, you know, what I found interesting is I'll invite you guys all to do this. You can go to, uh, Scott Gottlieb. Um, former FDA director, um, he and, and others are now tracking testing of this COVID-19, which uh, is been highly criticized because the CDC was so late with their rollout of, of widespread testing. States had to take on a lot of that load and, and they're slowly but surely you know, improving their test capacity. In theory, they should be able to test something like 16,000 plus at this point. Doesn't mean they will, Right, just because just you have just because you can doesn't mean you will in some of these places that where, where it may not be as common. But um, you can actually go to uh, um, go to his Twitter. He has a link to this COVID Tracker nineteen, I think, is what it's might be called. Um, but they are actually testing the amount of tests that are being done now. And and by the way, um, and this might not be all inclusive because not all states report all the numbers, like all of their negative tests. But from what we know, uh, as of yesterday. 4 o'clock Eastern Time, 3 o'clock Central. A whopping 7,028 tests have been done across 51 states. 7,000 
and 28. Which is, sounds like a lot. To put that in perspective, we have over a thousand positive cases, positive tests. Um, But that's actually tiny. That's minuscule. And actually, you know, pretty recently, if we look as early, uh, as recently as the 8th of March, right? That number was, you know, a little over 2,800, right? You know, today it's going to be moving up probably maybe over 10,000 by today. But to put that in perspective, you know, South Korea has done many multiples of that test on a daily basis at some points, right? Really putting our numbers to shame. I was actually trying to find some some concrete numbers on just how many tests have been carried out in various European countries and, and South Korea and Japan, et cetera. But, but we're certainly well, well behind. And, and the more we test for it, the more we're going to find it. That's why I said, you know, that 1,300 number is probably a magnitude of 10, you know, 10% of the true number of cases, if that, maybe even less than that. So, but, you know, these mitigation efforts, their financial impact is going to be huge. As I said before, or I alluded to, I didn't really finish my thought. This financial crisis has been a long time in the coming. This isn't a COVID-19 financial crisis. This is a financial crisis in which this pandemic, as well as this oil war, sort of popped this bubble, but it's, it's been a long time in the coming. Um, but, uh, we, we, uh, Still have a long ways to go. I mean, this this is not going to be over tomorrow. This is going to be over a week from now. Many, many weeks, months, potentially the whole summer. And then into next season as, you know, flu season ramps up. If there's any seasonality to this, may or may not be. Um, we've been going on a long time into the future. And, and the financial fallout, as well as the, the human cost of this, is going to be massive. And it's already been a huge price to pay. But hopefully... Uh, Hopefully you guys stick around here. I appreciate all the support. I've been having quite a few. You know, on YouTube, they're, they're to some extent censoring me. I, I don't know if they're, that's a strong term. I don't know. I'm just not getting views and, and whatnot as much. Some of that's because a lot of them are demonetized if I have it in the title. You know, COVID-19, coronavirus, etc. So I don't. Um, sometimes I will, sometimes I won't on, on the podcast side of things. But podcast, you know, more listeners on, you know. And, and I encourage all of those of you on YouTube to switch over to my podcast. It really works out better for the both of us, I think. Uh, But certainly, I'm just happy to have you guys here in the first place, wherever you are listening. So as always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in today. Uh, Stay positive out there. There's a lot to worry about. There's a lot to get panicky about. Um, As I said yesterday, we we don't need, as individuals, we don't need to panic. But, you know, maybe as a society, uh, it's maybe time to start panicking or at least taking actions as though we are. So thank you again from the bottom of my heart for tuning in and God bless.